When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois. On the Texas A&M Sports Network, from Learfield IMG College, this is Studio 12, your podcast home for Texas A&M athletics. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another special edition of NCAA Women's College Cup Tournament Edition and the final one for this spring. I'm David Ellis, and alongside is Texas A&M head coach G. Guerrero. And G, the Aggies fall to University of North Carolina by the score of one to nothing. The Tar Heels found the back of the net with two minutes and four seconds left in the first half. And and uh, the Aggies had a couple of good looks. Uh, it For your young team, uh, getting to the Elite Eight, accomplishing all the things that this team did winning an sec championship uh i know i know everybody's disappointed with the result against unc but you've got to feel good about what's ahead for texas a&m soccer well of course we do and we're proud of what what the players accomplished um you know as they say we we ran out of time in the uh in the one one nothing loss to carolina and you know there's a there's you know important things that happen in these games. And when you get to this level, um, it comes down to if you make a mistake and the other team can capitalize on it. And then if they make mistakes and you don't capitalize on those, then you lose. And that's pretty much what happened to us. You know, we made a, we made a, a, a mistake in the back, which was a little bit similar to, uh, to one of the goals that we gave up against Oklahoma state in the round before um, we thought we had gotten enough people back and then, uh, really, they, they scored a the, the shot that the uh, girl hit from 
just outside the 18 yard box. She hit it well. Uh, Kenna was able to get a fingertip on it, but it still went into the lower, the lower corner side netting. And um, you know, it was a great, it was a really good shot. And then, you know, we had a couple of good looks. Their goalkeeper made one, you know, brilliant save. And then uh, Barb missed missed uh, the far post by inches, and and that's it. And yeah. you know, they outshot us five to three in the first half, and they outshot us two to one in the second half. And you know, and, and they managed the game really well. And those are things that, you know, as much as you hate to say, you just, you have to learn from these things. It, it is, it's one of those, you have to go out and learn from and, and understand that these are things that we, we can control a lot of these things. And the way that we prepare now, as we go into an off season, are ways that we can, uh, you know, maybe put this onto somebody else in the, in the coming year and not have to uh, learn the lesson ourselves. So, in terms of the team after the game, uh, what was their? I, I know they were obviously disappointed with the loss, but but uh, you know, did they did they come away feeling you know we can compete with these guys and anybody else out there? I mean, because I, in a way that I think they should feel that way. Absolutely. I mean, they were mad. They, they were mad that they let the opportunity get away, and uh, you know they. Uh, one of the neat things about this particular team, and I don't know if I shared this with you earlier in the week, but so the night before the night before the Carolina game, you know, we're, we've been in a hotel for 13 days. And um, so you, you kind of figure that the, the teams might be getting a little tired of each other. Well, I, I went down to, uh, we had a little, we have like a, uh, a banquet room or whatever, like a, a meeting room inside the Marriott there in Raleigh. And uh, so I just went down to, to get, I think just like a, a something to eat and go in and all and the whole team is in there and they're all sitting around like in a, in a circle with chairs and they're playing like games. You know, they're playing like little, you know, memory games and problem solving games. And they're just, they're just really enjoying each other's company. And I, I can tell you that that is by the time you've been through as long a season as we've been through, there are teams around the country that are not wanting to be around each other at all. And, uh, and that really isn't the case. I mean, we've got some terrific people in this, in this team and, um, and it's, it's, it is such a pleasure. I, I talked to my wife right after, right after I went back up to my room and I was like, this is such a neat group. I really, I really do love this group. And, um, and the fun thing is, you know, they're all back. Uh, you know, the whole, the whole team is back uh, except for Taylor Zemer who, uh, you know, is signing a pro contract to uh, to play in Iceland uh, this summer. So she'll go on to, to start to uh, pursue her professional dreams, which is exactly what she wanted, being able to go in, and play uh, in Europe. And for uh, for the rest of the team, we're going to have them get, take a little bit of a break here because they they've been gr- they've literally been grinding since you know June and having to go through a lot of things that you wouldn't have predicted two years ago so they, they need to they need to chill they need to kind of just blow off some steam get back with their families uh see see the friends and then um you know kind of get hungry again to come back and do it again definitely by uh by the end of june a lot of them are going to come back and work camps this summer with us uh which will be which will be a lot of fun and it's that's a cool experience for campers to come in and be around some of these people and a lot of our girls were campers themselves so it's a it's a fun payback for them uh, for the experience that they had for, from some uh, former players years ago. So if you look back on the season, I mean, you had, 
with this young team, obviously, uh, you know, you had multiple uh, award winners on this team who will be back. I mean, obviously, we lost at in December, we lost Addie McCain and we lost uh, Amanda Lopez, who received both SEC and, and national recognition. And then, and then you lose, as you mentioned, Taylor Zemer here. But everybody else uh, on this team is back. And you look at people who won awards, uh, whether it was Taylor Pounds and Katie Smith in terms of the SEC tournament or, or uh, Barb Oliveri and uh, Lady Carroll on the all-freshman team. And, of course, Oliveri makes the all-conference team. And then you had national and, and, and conference players of the week who were going to be back. Right, uh, like, uh, like Lauren, like Lauren Gessick, who was a pl- national yeah. player of the week, and Kenna Caldwell, who was in there, and you know, it's, uh, it's. Uh, I think I'll sleep well for the next for the next few weeks, knowing <laughs> knowing that we're going to be okay. Um, and and the other thing too is, you know, the the three girls who who graduated high school early, um, who are here, Macy Matula, Miley Hayes, and Mia Ponte. Um, I, I wish I could have put them in the game uh, in North Carolina because they they would have helped us, but, uh, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't going to be allowed by, by the NCAA. So those guys are ready to roll as well. And they will, they will automatically make an impact. And then we've got five more, um, in, in this next signing class, which is one of our better signing classes that we've ever had, uh, coming in. So it's, uh, it'll make for a very competitive, uh, training, which is what we, what we need. And it'll, it should be a, uh, a fun team for, for folks to watch. And I know, I know I'm, I'm super proud of them. I mean, they also, not only did they do all this on the field, but, you know, also the highest team grade point average of all the sports here at Texas A&M, which is a top five athletic department in the country. Um, it just, it just shows how special these, these young ladies are and, and really um, how lucky we are to be around them. We really haven't talked about this, but I wanted to ask you this question. Uh, this year, we've said all year long, this year is different, and obviously it has been. But, you know, basically because the Aggies went deep into the playoffs and the split season and all that, and, uh, you know, it's about uh, – look, I did a quick count of the, in the calendar yesterday. It's about just 15 weeks between, the, between uh, the last game of the season and the first game of the season. Uh, I mean, it's not very long. I hate to break that to you, but but uh, if you hadn't actually counted it up, but are you going to do anything differently this because of because of that sort of shorter period of time uh, this summer uh, than you maybe than you would have done in the past? Well, this this past year, one of the things that was different and better, I thought, was we had a, a longer acclimation period when we came in. Um, you know, we were initially going to start our preseason on uh, the 4th of August. And um, then right before that happened, the the SEC put a pause on our season. And instead of going on uh, August 20th, we started on September 19th. So that gave us an extra month to uh, – prepare and which meant that we didn't have to grind as much. We could just do no, one. That's true. And, you know, I think that was a big, a big uh, help in us not having any soft tissue injuries this year through, through the season. So that's something that we, we want to look at seriously as far as how, how things goes. I, you know, the whole team will be back 
by the time we get into July anyway, which is you know about six weeks before the start of the season. We we right now, coaches, we won't have access access to them, you know, as as far as soccer goes. But for them to be back and do that, so because that is that is our traditional um, acclimation period that we have, and the way that the girls kind of come back into it, and they take summer classes and they they get they get their their legs underneath them again, and they welcome in the new freshmen. That'll still be um, what we've done. That's always been successful for us. That's one of the reasons why we're so successful. Um, but other than that, I mean, it really comes down to, and I'm the chair of a national committee that we're looking at the NCAA season and what is the best, what's the best way to fit NCAA women's soccer into the academic calendar. Um, you know, the men two years ago really want the men's soccer division one wanted to go with the split season. Well, we just experienced that. I don't think we want to do that again. That's my opinion. Um, because it, I, I had a fall team and I, then I had a spring team. It's two different teams. Um, right. And I think most people, most people out there kind of come to that realization that, okay, it, it needs to be something that's in one season. But we'll, that, that's one of the things that this committee is going to be discussing. But there's other things that we learned from this past year that hopefully will help us in this, whatever this model is that we want to try to present. Uh, you know, one of the things I thought was cool was, uh, in the NCAA tournament, a game every four days. That was neat. Um, oh, I having, think that was fantastic. Having all 16 of the teams in the, in the, that were from the 16 on, we were all in one place and playing in one, in one basic location. That was a good thing. Um, you know, and if you look at other sports, I mean, baseball, the World Series is eight teams. Uh, softball, the, their World Series is eight teams. Tennis is eight teams. Golf is the final eight play in match play. Um, so this number of eight is something that we probably need to be looking at with soccer. If you look at the, the four quarterfinal games from this weekend, every one of them was either one goal difference or less. You had uh, Duke that pushed, parked a bus in front of the, the goal and lasted for, <laughs> for a full game and two overtimes and then lost in penalty kicks to uh, Florida State. Uh, after a 0-0 game, AM and Carolina was 1-0. Uh, Virginia and TCU was 1-0. And then Santa Clara uh, knocked out Clemson 1-0. So, you know, you look at, at how close it is with, with those teams. And I think, I think we owe it to our sport that that, that should be – that's a big event. That should be the event. It shouldn't just be what we used to do, which was a weekend. And we've proven that now – this year, there's going to be another four days now until the semifinal and another four days until the final. That's the, that'll be the first time that's ever been done because it's always right. been the final ones on Friday and survival final, sorry, semifinal on Friday and survival final on Sunday. And that's, that's too short. So look, can we, yeah. can we use, can we use what we've just gone through to, to make our, to make our world a little bit better? Well, I, I'm I'm with you 100. percent I love the, the the increased time between the games, and it's for the, the other thing is it produces better soccer because the players are ready to play physically. They're able to perform better, and you you you, you see better quality games. You bound to reduce injuries. Uh, there are just so many pluses to it, and so I, I hope the NCAA. Uh, we'll certainly stick to that. And I love your idea of bringing in eight teams uh, to make it uh, like 
college baseball, college softball, college golf, uh, and all that. Because when you get down to eight teams, uh, every single one of those eight teams is capable of winning that national championship. They are quality teams, and in, and you're it, and it just increases the the experience for the for the players. I think it's a brilliant idea. Right, and we had we had the men and the women together in the same in the same area. So, I mean, we were, we were in the same hotel with, uh, with some of the guys teams and, and that, that just made it, it just made it a bigger event. Um, and that was, that was cool. I, I really, I, I think that this was a good year of discovery and, um, you never want to have to go through all the stuff that we went through again. Um, but it was, it's nice to come through it and go, okay, we definitely don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. Ooh, we'll keep that. Let's keep that one, get rid of that, keep that. And, and that's a, might be, might be our, our way forward. And, you know, the NCAA, I'm, I'm for all the problems I think they had as far as lack of leadership through a lot of the year um, to at least allow the NCAA soccer committee to do this was, uh, was pretty neat. And I, a yeah. few, I've got a few friends who are on that committee and I'll, I'll be interested to, to hear their end of year review on, on what they thought of things. So let's talk, just to close out, talk a little bit about, uh, next year, uh, from a schedule point of view, you have uh, put together uh, an incredibly impressive non-conference schedule uh, that has the Aggies opening with uh, the still uh, undefeated and uh, number one ranked Florida State Seminoles. And then you'll also be uh, traveling to Oklahoma State, which uh, we we knew uh, and saw firsthand a couple of uh, about a week ago is a very, very good team and uh, TCU. Uh, but t- tell us a little bit about, uh, about the, the, the schedule next year, uh, at, you know, in terms of what you know already. Well, I'm still trying to add one more game. So we'll, we'll release the full schedule uh, before too long. I, I know that, we're expecting to have 100% occupancy in uh, in our stadiums this coming fall for for Texas A&M, which is exciting. But our, you know, one of the other things that uh, we we didn't like about this past year was how limited our schedule was. We liked the fact that we played one game a week mostly, but we didn't like the fact that we couldn't go out and play. We typically we want to play the very best teams in the country, so right. that when it comes to tournament time, we're not shocked. We're ready for for whatever that's going to be. Uh, I think we were ready anyway, but uh, this this time just because the SEC was so strong. But um, so real quick, we're gonna we have we'll have two exhibition games. We'll go up to North up to Denton to play North Texas. We'll play Baylor here at home, and then um, we'll go on the road the opening weekend of the season to play at Florida State and at TCU. So that's uh, you know the the national the team that is expected to be the national champion. That's Florida State. And TCU, which had kind of hard luck against them against Virginia, and I won't, won't get into referee issues. Uh, <laughs> then we then we come back, we, we come home, and we open with our Fish Camp uh, game against Clemson, also a, uh, a quarter finalist. Then a couple home games against Sam Houston State and against UTSA. Then we go up to Oklahoma State, and then we open our uh, our SEC uh, schedule at Kentucky. We come home and we play Pepperdine. On, uh, on that Sunday, Pepperdine is also, you know, perennial NCAA tournament team. And then, you know, home games in the SEC against Arkansas, Tennessee, Ole Miss, Alabama, uh, and Vanderbilt. And then, uh, you know, of course, we play the, the West. So 
it's this is what we usually do. We, we, we usually yeah. see this this type of schedule where we're going to we want to play games that matter. And we want to play, frankly, we want to play a game that if we don't win it, it doesn't kill us because we don't have any other tough games on our schedule. And that was yeah. kind of the case this year. That's why the, our TCU game this past spring was such a big deal because we just didn't have a chance to play enough national level teams. So finally we get to play yeah. one towards the end of the spring and it just put, you know, you kind of had to push all the, all the cards to the table to, to see, or, you know, chips to the middle of the table to see that this was such a, there was so much on that game. Well, we, we want that every week. And that's why right. we're going to go on the road and challenge ourselves. And then we're going to play some really good teams here at home too. I'm glad we finally get to play Vanderbilt here, uh, you know, in uh, college station. I think it's been since 1963, I think was the last time. We... <laughs> I mean, it, it, it is. I, I, I did not know that until you just said that. That's good. I'm glad we get to play. Uh, Vanderbilt. Last time, the last time we played them here, I think Addie McCain was either a freshman or a sophomore. She scored. We, we were, we were down one, nothing. She scored the winning goal. Um, oh, but I can't remember if that was her freshman year or sophomore, but you're right. Uh, Darren and, and those guys haven't been here in quite a while, so it'll be nice to have them back. Absolutely. Well, listen, I, I can't thank you enough for all the time you've taken to visit with me uh, through the course of the season on various <laughs> various platforms, whether it's the Aggie Soccer Hour or, or uh, uh, wherever it's been, and, and uh, to put up with my uh, sometimes uh, silly questions. Appreciate it very, very much, G. <laughs> and, and, and I have to tell you, just from my perspective, uh, I have had the privilege of being around a lot of good Aggie soccer teams, but this was one of the most enjoyable teams that I've had the pleasure of being around and uh, looking forward to great things next year. Really am. Yeah. And I think uh, expectations are high, but the, the main expectation is that we're going to have, we're going to have some really good people around us and uh, good things when that goes on. So one last reminder for, uh, for, for camp this summer, we, we do still have a few openings in some of our camps. If you go to aggiesoccercamp.com, you'll be able to get information on, uh, on what sessions are still open. We have one-day ID camps for high school-age kids, but we also have a lot of overnight camps. Um, and then we'll be talking about also day camps for, uh, for the little ones. So aggiesoccercamp.com. And uh, we'll, I'm, I'm sure we'll still do a couple off-the-pitch um, episodes yeah. this summer. But uh, right now, it's, it's a good – we're just happy to be back. We're – we wish it was another week, uh, but we are happy to be back in Aggieland and uh, looking forward to seeing everybody around town again. And, and again, obviously back at Ellis Field in, like you said, 15 weeks. All righty. Again, thanks, G, as always, for taking the time to visit with us. And thank you for uh, listening to these, uh, these off-the-pitch podcasts. As G mentioned, we'll start those back in the summer. We're going to uh, as some of these freshman players come in, we'll start to interview them so you get an opportunity to know them a little bit. We'll talk to other players around and, and take a little bit uh, different tack, maybe some people that we haven't visited with in the past. Again, I appreciate uh, you taking time to listen to the podcast. Uh, Coach G, thank you for all you've done. Uh, and uh, for G. Guerrero, I'm David Ellis. Until next time, giga. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. 
Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. All state vehicle and property insurance company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.